Hi, welcome. That's nice little musical intro that I'm hearing. I'm Forbes Riley, and we're actually broadcasting live from the California Women's Conference here in Long Beach 2017. I found everybody, there's only one man here, and I found him. It's Mr. Walter O'Brien. You guys know who he is? Now, Walter, at 197 IQ, makes me feel so smart. Or stupid, I can't decide which. You're the fifth smartest man in the world? Yes. Is there any women smarter, by the way? Yeah, the smartest is Marilyn Von Savant. So, that's a woman. Which is, Savant is named for her? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, have a, have a good name. Weird coincidence. Yeah. I know. Well, my name is Forbes. Weird coincidence. I'm really famous and very successful. And I have my own magazine. Odd. So, I don't know if you recognize Walter. Walter liked to be behind the scenes for most of his life. And then one day he said, wait a second. I have an amazing story to tell. And you stepped out into the light. But you did it in a big way. If you've seen the TV show Scorpion which is a wonderful show. He is the scorpion. He's Walter O'Brien. Oh, right. Then she just put it to back. Oh, she's like, oh my God, I love the show. I know. <laughs> Everyone here just went, oh my gosh. So tell me, how did you, why did you decide to step out into the light? Well, uh, nice way of putting it. Um, we have been solving problems for people for about 30 years. And we work with uh, both adults and kids who are very high IQ which often means they're low EQ, emotional intelligence, common sense, social skills. So we designed our company and corporate culture to be a home for the mentally enabled, an orphanage for smart people, because they don't fit in in the regular corporate culture. And we did the TV show as a way, because if I wrote a book, the millennials may not read it. If I made a movie, they'd forget my name in six months. But if we replace CSI as the number one show on the air for the next 10 years, then the geniuses will come find us. Uh, so it's one method of recruiting. But it also means that the kids out there will be inspired, the 12-year-olds, inspired to grow up to be scientists instead of maybe Kim Kardashian. Oh, uh, that might be good for the country. Yeah, I got a whole applause here. Um, wow. So the show sends them a couple of messages. Number one, there's a place for everyone who never fit in. Number two, every problem does have a solution. And number three, being smart is cool. Maybe we should celebrate intelligence instead of just basketball. So one of the things that I love about hanging out with Walter is I was a goofy, ugly little girl. I had a broken nose and frizzy hair. I was overweight, and I was so the social outcast. And I was also smart. In fact, I was put in the genius class. The thing about me, though, is I didn't really deserve to be there. My dad didn't go to college, and he was an engineer. And so by the time I got to first grade, I could do long division and all these crazy things and solve problems. But I knew that I wasn't as smart as the other kids, which is funny that we meet many years later. But I never wanted my dad to be embarrassed. So what I did was I worked hard. And I became one of the hardest working kids you'll ever meet. I graduated college with two degrees in three years. Not because I was smarter, but I worked harder. So for everyone listening out there, you know, one of the messages that I like that you embrace is I was a goofy kid who didn't fit in. So were you. We are both by normal, we're, we're successful, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, if you're making more than 400 grand a year, then you're in the top 1% in the U.S., which means you've got to be careful on taking advice from the other 99% of people you meet. Oh, see, that's also a very interesting thing. So many times women come up to me and say, Forbes, how do you get confident? How do you get successful? And one of the things you, you associate with people who are. So we are new associates. And I don't know if you agree with that. It's fun. You know, I'll say things and Walter will look at me like going, I have a different, completely different idea. I love you because you challenge, because you don't accept the norm, which is not what most people do. They'll read the newspaper and they will spit out what they just read, not knowing that that is not necessarily real news, but perhaps manufactured news. You take that beat, look at me going, wait, I can argue with you and debate with you. So talk to me about the difference right now, because we're at the California Women's Conference between men and women, in your opinion. Oh, that's a loaded topic, and it's, it's a long conversation. But uh, I guess if I started in my own area of technology, and I believe there's a TEDx conference or a TED speech on this where this lady used to give coding classes to kids, and she would give them to boys and girls. And then when the time limit was up and they had to present the results, often the girls would have nothing to present. And the boys always did. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. And what she learned is that Girls are brought up to be perfect, and boys are brought up to be brave. Ooh. So the boys' system may not work, and it works part of the time, and it has mistakes in it, and they'll just keep brute forcing it until they eventually get it working. Whereas the girl will come up to the deadline, realize it's not working, scrap it, and pretend she didn't try, rather than presenting something that's not perfect. I just got chills all over my entire And body. I think that has ripple effects through business, entrepreneurship, startups, etc., where you know, one of the kind of mantras in business, especially in marketing, is to fail faster. And if a woman doesn't feel like she can fail or that if she fails, everyone will go, well, we told you you couldn't do that. 
then um, she's never going to fail fast enough to f- eventually find out which thing works. Mm. So I think that's one difference. Obviously, there's social conditioning where computer science classes and everything else are not presented as the sexiest thing a woman should grow up and do. So you get whatever 5% of students studying computer science, and then even less than that, dropping out later where they go do a different career. And they don't actually do it. I'll give you a little insight. And, and one there's of no muscle involved in thinking and typing. Right, well one of the things that Walter is referring to, and this is kind of interesting for all of our ladies to listen to, is what we're women, as women, we're going to do in the future. And you have an, uh, an interesting prediction. If women don't learn how to code, what is it that you told me? Well, I had certain concerns as things go forward, but again, I'm biased. My degrees are artificial intelligence and computer science, so I see the world through a particular point of view. And I see the world as technology is the largest industry and the largest employer in the world. 60% of the world's billionaires made it in technology. Technology is run by software, and software is run by programmers. So programmers run the world to some extent, and that's only happening more and more and more. Now, if you look around us, you've got 160,000 people being Uber drivers. Uber just partnered with Volvo with self-driving cars in Pittsburgh, so they'll eventually be turned off. You've got 1.6 million truck drivers. They're just big Ubers, so they'll get turned off. Factories are now finding out that their minimum wage worker plus union fees plus overhead plus health benefits, smoke breaks, etc., costs about 33 grand a year. But the robotic arms that can do their jobs in three shifts of production at 250% increase in efficiency and mm-hmm. 80% decrease in defects costs 100 grand. Uh-oh. Yeah, uh-oh. So now you've got blue-collar workers out of business. And then if you look at the other jobs program we have, which is the military, for all Air Force, uh, ground troops, et cetera, et cetera, we've now had 15 years of working on unmanned vehicles, unmanned aircraft, unmanned sea vehicles, swarm math, et cetera. So what are those people going to do? So if you're just listening to this conversation, I'm privileged enough to spend time talking to Walter. I've had these conversations one-on-one with you, and, and it's amazing and enlightening, and I don't know that you guys always normally hear this. So I'm going to urge you to share this conversation with people because it's very, very important what you're going to say next about your future and your kids' future. What happens if all of those things go away, all those jobs that we're used to? Well, there's what should happen, and then there's what will happen. What should happen if we were a civilized, sophisticated society with good, sophisticated leadership is that we would either develop a universal wage, like I think they've done a bit in Norway, or a equivalent of a robot tax. So if I replace half the workers in my factory with robots, then I gotta pay a higher robot tax so that all the people I just unemployed are not a burden to society. So imagine if the government could pay you, everybody, 25 grand a year as a salary just for being a citizen, and that because of robots, everything got four times cheaper, so that 25 grand is the equivalent of 100 grand a year before you start working. Okay. That would free humans up to do what's uniquely human. Well, Gary, listen, I love this. What is uniquely human? Art, music, uh, entertainment, authorship, books, philosophy, science, uh, and exploring the universe. Star Trek stuff versus now where 99% of us are trapped in a job we don't like so we can pay the rent on Friday. Mm. That's not being human. That's not your self-actualization. Got it. So it would free humans up. That's what should happen. Unfortunately, because of human greed, we'll probably go through about 15 years of turbulence before we'll eventually get to that conclusion. Okay, so should we be nervous? Should we be scared? I don't know. This is a, this is a great conversation. We're not obviously going to cover it all. We have a very limited amount of time with Walter, who is spending the day with us here at the California Women's Conference, speaking to a lot of women, informing them about getting educated, getting smart, being connected. Um, I know you've got some crazy philosophies, but you also started your company not only does this amazing TV show. Let's spend a minute talking about what is Scorpion and why Scorpion. So Scorpion and the service that we're talking about today is conciergeup.com. Mm-hmm is basically allowing the general public and women doing startups and entrepreneurial work to be able to rent a brain, to be able to tap in to the think tank that is Scorpion and get help with their business. Okay, so this is why, and this is why I invited him here. Because so many times when you start a business, there's so many things we don't know. And if you stand there in a place of, I don't know how to do manufacturing, I don't know how to do marketing, you come to you and what happens? We do everything that's not your core competency. 
So let's say you're a hairdresser and you want to open a hair salon. Doing the analytics to figure out which mall has the largest traffic but is furthest from all the other hair salons, maybe you can't do that as quickly yourself as we can do it. Figuring out where the coolest barber chairs are, how are you going to put in the security cameras, what merchant accounts are you going to have to swipe your credit cards through, what's your point of sale system and will it integrate with QuickBooks so you can do your taxes cheaper, where are you going to store your grand opening and what celebrity is going to endorse your brand. What is your brand and how are you going to get your logo developed? There's 140 things you've got to figure out to do just to start your business. Mm -hmm. Now, you might be the best hairdresser in the world and crap at the other 140 things. Well, as we like to call them, you had an entrepreneurial seizure, but you're really a hairdresser or a doctor yeah. or a lawyer, and you take care of all those other things. So we've got the checklists of all the other things, so you can spend three years figuring it out yourself or three months letting us do it for you. Hmm. So what would you rather do? If you have over 10 grand in budget, you go to conciergeup.com and you just type in a one-liner. The way we put it is, if you want to search something, type it in Google. If you want it to happen, type it in Concierge Up. Don't you just love him? So not only is that happening, but we can tune you in. When can we see you on television? Not you or your show. Normally every Monday night at 10 o'clock, but we're just wrapping up season three now. Mm -hmm. But we're approved for season four, so we'll be back on next season. What's one of your favorite episodes? Probably the first one, A, because I'm in it, and B, it With was the, the most exciting thing to, to, one to make, um, just in terms of pulling it all together. Because we had the director of Fast and the Furious, the writers of Sopranos, Prison Break, and Hostages. It was great. And the producers of Tra Transformers, Spider-Man, and Star Trek. And if you've not seen that episode, it is amazing. Lastly, and in that episode, a mother discovers that her, her son is a genius. Uh, I know how, as a lot of moms, we always don't, you know, and by the way, difference can be slower, faster, whatever. What do you recommend when you've got a kid who's kind of smart? What do you do with them? What's the best advice and things you can do with that child? Well, you need to explain to them. Let's say they are a genius in a 150 IQ. That means they're one in 10,000 people. That means if their village, their school, their church all disagree with them, there's more than a 50% chance they're right and everyone else is wrong. Mm. And then get them out of that village. Okay. What else? You need to surround them with people who are more like themselves. They need to find their own species. Well, because you were a little unique as a child. I don't know if everybody knows your history, but we have a minute left to kind of talk about that. I love your story. What were you doing when you were just a very youngin? Well, I hacked into NASA at 13, <laughs> stole the shuttle blueprints, and got busted by the NSA and Interpol. Yeah, okay, so a typical 13-year-old, right? Yeah, okay. Or my son's, by the way, I, when I look at my son playing video games, every once in a while I wonder if he's actually really flying those drones <laughs> and doing that stuff. They came after you? And how did that affect you? Um, well, we did a deal, and they ended up being my client. So, you know, honestly, one of the most unique stories. Um, you're gonna, you guys are going to also hear a replay of this on my new radio series called The Forbes Factor. Because I call the Forbes, when you want to Forbes something, to Forbes it means that you've manifested something, especially when nobody believes it's possible. So my question to you is, what have you Forbesed lately? Well, more people have walked on the moon than had a TV show on the air about them while they're still alive. Bingo. I adore you. Um, any last words? I think we have got one minute left for my audience. Um, any final things we should be thinking about? You guys spend a lot of time brainiacing. Most of us read the news and watch television. So we don't really know what's going on. So anything you want to share with my audience? Well, I think look at what's happening. Look forward five to ten years. And a lot of things I talked about, people think linearly, not exponentially. So they think it's the next 50 years. But five years ago, we didn't have Uber. So these things I'm talking about that seem like dramatic changes will happen in the next three to five years. Wow. Um, so it's just a, a think about the future, be thoughtful, and it's going to come quicker than you thought. So my daughter is writing a book called Every Company Needs a Kid. What does that mean for you? Well, I think what it means for me is the ageism has held back companies. and A lot of companies became dinosaurs because they're still run by people who were born in the 50s who think it still is the 50s. And that's completely irrelevant, and they will rapidly go out of business because of that. So they need to at least hire, think forward, listen to the kids. And when your technology changes every six months, having 30 years experience doesn't really matter, does it? Oh, I love that. So help for the future for, for your kids. I'm Forbes Riley. I've been interviewing Walter O'Brien. You can see his TV show Scorpion. It's in his fourth season. We're at the California Women Conference. We'll be back right after this. Hey everybody, it's Forbes Riley, and you're here for the very last portion of today on the California Women's Conference. And I'm going to feed this into my show, The Forbes Factor. My next guest, powerful, transformative, and amazing. You're going to want to see how he takes people's lives to a next level. You're, not, you're going to want to listen to this, and you're going to want to share it if you've got kids. This is a powerful interview. Please welcome my guest, Daniel Tokini. 
Well, thank you, Forbes. It's really a pleasure. You're very welcome. Now, kind of like tokini-like bikini. I kind That's of, right. Yeah, you know, kind of a two-piece kind That's of right. thing where your belly button shows. Yep. It has nothing to do with you, but it's a great visual for my audience because it is radio. That's right. No problem. All right, so you just got off stage here at the California Women's Conference. Tell me about this event for you. Well, I, you know, I met, um, I met Michelle, and she asked me to come support her. She asked me to be her coach, basically. And she told me what she was up to, and she said, I, you know, it's kind of behind the eight ball, and I... That's my game. Really, what, what do you need? Okay, so what is it that you do? Well, you know, I, I work, you know, I'm a coach. Okay. So if I'm successful, and it's hard to talk about myself as much as when I look at my players, you know, somebody I'm coaching. If they're doing well, I'm doing well. Okay. But I get involved with them in the way that they think and the way that they use circumstances against themselves, the way they use their past against but themselves. How did you come to this? My mother was a manic depressive uh, with schizophrenic tendencies and at about, oh shoot, I was... 12 years old, she went catatonic, and um, I started to go to the hospital to see her, and I could tell that she was trying to communicate by the way she was symbolizing, and I just got into, I had a, you know, look, it's my mother. I love my mother. I want my mother back. I wanted to connect with her, and so I found a way to do it, and I, I mean, I read every book I could. The first book I read at 12 years old was Gestalt Therapy Verbatim. We just talked the word Gestalt just a few minutes ago. It's very funny. Emmanuel talked about saying, I love you, even if you don't believe it. That's right. Yes. The words, right? Mm -hmm. And I just kept declaring to my mother when I was there, and I was trying to communicate with her, and eventually she started to come out of it, and we became very good friends, and, uh, you know, know, really tight. We worked together for a while, and, and now she's 81 years old. She lives on her own. She does great. Now, people come to you, why? Usually people come because they either have something they want to bring you know, into being. They have some idea and they've heard that I'm good with people or they, have, they want to transform something, make something old new, like a relationship is stuck or stagnant and they're looking at, hey, how do I make this a romantic adventure? Or how do I make this dead, what seems like a dead-end job a, a career that I'm passionate about? Like that. So now one of the people you work, one of the sex, you work with gang members. I do. And we've just met, but my uh, foster son, my husband's younger brother and I, uh, he was murdered uh, 14 mm, years sorry. ago. Yeah, well, and he wasn't in the gang. He yeah. happened, and this is a really important story that I tell. I raised Dexter for 12 years. Uh, he was an amazing little boy. When he found his mother's gun, we hit it. He had no tattoos. He got no one pregnant. Was he going to be a rock star? No, but he was going to be a great, amazing, productive human being. And that was cut short by a guy who grew up one block away from him who did not have a mentor. When he found his, his gun, mm-hmm. he found the gang. Yep. He has tattoos. He had two kids by the time he was 19, and he thought it was okay and quite a pride thing to walk up to my little boy and shoot him 10 times in the back on a Sunday on his way from haircut cut to a church okay I have this notion and you guys need to hear this very clearly the reason that we reach out and do transformative work and care about people other than ourselves and our own community is if you don't they may hurt someone that you love I ended up on the cover of the LA Times that's not a place you want your family to be absolutely when you work with gang members what do you do I usually meet them in prison Okay. So they're in a down, right? They're Which, ga- by the way, that is where Michael is spending the rest of his life. Right. Yeah, so they're usually in prison. They're ga- their gang's not usually visiting them. They're lonely. They're weak. And I but they also have a way to get out. They're not, they're not lifers. No, they're not, I've worked with lifers, but no, I'm working with kids. That, you know, they're going to get out. How to enroll people back into our society. That's right. Excellent. And they're, they're pretty damn resistant. And so what we do is we have a curriculum. We work with their families and them. I've, it's the most studied curriculum in America, as a matter of fact. We've had 18,000 kids come through and only 12% have reoccurred. And they, we follow them from the day we meet them to the day they die. It's wow. It's over 18 years. Give me some insights so that somebody listening maybe just has a kid at home who's a little bit of a troublemaker. What do you find that's like a commonality that you can help people with? Well, criminality is, is a way of thinking. And it, it's, all of us have thoughts that are victim-y. I mean, like, you know, why did this happen to me? How come, you know... and we've found that the more a person builds their life around the victim, because you can be victimized, you can, uh-huh. you know, like that, the more they build it around it, the more they tend to perpetrate. And so if we can get people to start looking at, yes, that's what happened to you. Now, what are you doing with it? And we, we work with the way that they're thinking about it because they'll use it as a, a reason to go out and take from somebody else what has okay. been taken from them. Got it. So someone is listening to this program right now saying, you know, I would like to transform, which is a word that you use a lot, my life to be better. It's very generic, I know, but I have a lot of listeners and I don't know who they are, but there's somebody's ears out there right now going, wow, mm-hmm. you're going to say some pearl of wisdom that's going to make my life better right now. What would it be? Well, it's not going to be better. It's going to, it can be new. What, you don't want more of what you already have. You don't Perfect. want better than what you have. You want something new. Oh. And so how do you Wait, have did something Did you guys new? hear that? 
Because it, it's a Because that's what transformation is. Thank you. Transformation is new. So, you know, you've got to dare yourself enough to think of something you long for. Even though you're using your past to tell you you can't have it, you can, but you've got to be willing to face that conversation. And that's what I do. I help them illuminate that and then start to intervene in it. And I call it prospecting for freedom and creativity and love. Nice. Yeah. Now, you also work with sports athletes, yes? I, I do. What, what's the biggest hurdles so, that they face? So this is very interesting. It's, it, 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 I started working with sports with athletes because they have a very similar conversation as shot callers or gang members coming out of gangs. Right? Really? They, yeah, they're leaving something they've done that's passionate, that they're good at. Right. And now they're going into society and they're wondering, is, is, what's next for me? What, what kind oh. of meaningful life can I have? Which is exactly what a gang member is worried about. That's why gang members stay in gangs because they're good at it and they make good money. And to jump from that out there is frightening. Did you ever have the, you know, one of the things one of my mentors talks about is like the guys who walked on the moon. Once you've done that, what else is there? Yeah, <laughs> and, and by the way, many of them become alcoholics or depressive. You that's work right. with those kind of people as that's well? That's right, exactly. All right, so maybe you're a CEO of a company. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe you've done something you want to transition into society. Again, what do you teach these kind of people? Well, I, first off, I, 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 I got to get them in a room. I get them in a gym, right? I call it a gym for your dreams. But I got to get a hold of their conversation, have them get a hold of it. And we're not aware of how we talk to ourselves. We're not aware about how, and we can see that by how we talk talk to other people. So if I can get them in a group and we start doing something in the group, right. I have you know, exercises, et cetera, and conversations, inquiries, so they can start to see how they're building the future they say they really don't want. Just by the way, there's a defeat in the language. All right, now that's, some, that's a passionate subject of mine. We're here with a whole group of women, and I'm noticing that this women's conference is different from a men's conference. Oh, very, I don't, very different. Yeah. Oh, but did you hear that? Very, very different. What does that mean to you? Well, you know, most of the time, like I was sitting there, I watched uh, Emmanuel go on. And the guy next to me, one guy said, you know, gosh, how do you go on after that? I said, are you kidding me? I'm blessed to go on after that. And I, I'm going to champion that. that. That was beautiful. And and he talked about his mother, somebody behind him. Right. Which is, you know, so it's the lack of competition. I, you know, there's no competition if I'm creating. Right. But I'm looking at a lot of women out there who are not successful. Women have weird conversations. By weird, I mean yeah. they self-demeaning, self-belittling. We women, and this yeah, is part con- of my whole message, we shame. don't think that we're enough. Yeah, it's shame. And it's, it's a form of pride. Okay. Right? What do women do? How do women step up in your thinking? Uh, well, they need to get that conversation in the light with somebody that they're willing to trust to work with them on it. And I'd say that if you're worried about other women and you're competing, you're not going to confide really what's going on for you. And once right. you do, you can get a look at the conversation. It's amazing. The minute you see the conversation, you've got some space. You can change the way you relate to it. Right. So we have to get in a room with you. Where do we find you? You find me at, uh, w, at uh, bloodandethos.com. Now, you got blood and ethos. What does ethos mean? Ethos. Ethos. Yep. There you go. I didn't do very well in Greek it's, and Latin. That's right. It, and, and I did it for this reason, for people. Okay. Can, uh, ethos is what is the atmosphere that arises in our relationship. So if I relate to you like I'm afraid or you're going to hurt me, that's a different ethos than if I relate to you like you're a possibility or somebody whom I can make a difference with and can make a difference back. Ah, okay. I love it. So last, um, any special comments? We've got about a minute left. Anything else that you want to share with my audience who's listening to this? I'm sure many people are intrigued by the conversation about what does it mean to transform your life? I'm loving this. It is my, my passion. It's the work that I do is to transform people as I well. I've watched you. And I will tell you, it is so um, enlightening and empowering to see somebody else's growth and their success. Yes, I love it. That's yeah, it. I can see that you do. And, um, and, you know, for me, I just say, look, you know, change is the constant in life. And your attitude is really where the possibility is. And who you become is the reward. Okay, a couple of quick questions. Uh, favorite motto? Uh, favorite motto? You don't have to compete if you create. Mm, you guys hear that? You don't have to compete if you create. I would get a pen out and write that. Um, what you'd like written if your tombstone was any length that you wanted, what would they say about you after you're gone? Spent. Spent. Oh, man. Boo, drop the mic. Daniel, I love you. You are awesome. We're going to wrap this up, and I want to thank you so very much for being my thank guest you. here, brother. Wow. What a privilege. All right, you've got to check this man out. I'm Forbes Riley, and we're back at the California Women Conference 2017. We are talking how women get empowered, succeed, and live their dreams to the fullest. Some phenomenal guests throughout the day. I am privileged to do one-on-one radio with Dr. Laura Kelly and Mike Matus. I'm kind of wrapping up my show here. There's also going to be rebroadcast. I've got a new radio show called The Forbes Factor every Wednesday at noon. Don't miss it. Uh, Dr. Laura Kelly, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. You have a book out. I do. Called? The Healthy Bones Nutrition Plan and Cookbook. Now, why did you even include the word bones in there? 
Because it was written for my mother because she had osteoporosis ah. and didn't want to take the drugs. Really quick, explain to my audience, especially my women, get a little closer right now, listen to this. What is osteoporosis? Uh, when your bones become weak. How do you know you have it? Uh, in this country, we test for the density, bone density. Yeah, but I'm afraid that most people don't test for it. So we're going to talk about how important your bones are. I'm with health, nutrition, and sports fitness guy. I'm a really good friend of mine, <laughs> Mr. Mike. Look at that smile, Mr. Mike Matus. Thank, thank you for having me. Forbes. You totally have a face for TV, brother. Thank you. I'm going to have to put well, your I'm picture I'm learning up. from the best. You yeah. Know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, give me five. All right, now you tell us about you. Um, so I also have another book. I have a book coming out, and it's called Not Another Broke Trainer. Mm -hmm. um, and <laughs> so I, uh, I've been in the fitness business now for almost 13 years, and I own uh, a gym here in Long Beach. And I, I love fitness, but I noticed that a lot of my friends that are also fitness professionals have a very hard time uh, connecting with clients um, and also uh, you know, really selling what they want and not just thinking – um, giving them what they need. So, so how did I do in the match game? You guys seem like a pretty oh good match. Oh, yeah. She, you know, I love it. I, yeah. I mean, the cookbook, awesome idea. I mean, my, my wife is my partner in the fitness business, and she is also writing a cookbook. Oh, because, great. Yeah, so I'm definitely going to pick that up. <laughs> so, Dr. Laura, how? tell me about your mom. My mom, uh, she had bone loss for 20 years, and we needed to stop it. How so did that materialize in her daily life? You know, one of the things that we talk about, I think, for health and fitness is functional fitness. Is what is your day-to-day -day life like? So did that hurt her? It, there wasn't an impediment in her life, except that her doctor said if she didn't start taking drugs, that he would not be able to be her doctor anymore because she would break her bones. <laughs> okay, so he went down the drug route. Yes. And you said, wait a second. She said to me, can I do something else? And I said, I'm sure there is something to do, but I need to do some research. So I'll get back to you in a couple months. And what did mm. you find? Um, I actually analyzed uh, the, uh, the world fracture map. I looked at the map of the world and I said, where are the low fractures and high fractures and why? Whoa, okay. <laughs> I did not know there was a world fracture map. Darn, okay. <laughs> so explain that to me. Really, there's a way that you look at where more people... Well, the Osteoporosis Society uh, has a map and they keep track of where the fractures are in the world. And you can see, based on country, who has mm -hmm. high fractures and who has low fractures. Okay, what did you find? Which country was lowest? The lowest was Japan, traditionally on traditional diets. Asia. Okay, so what is a traditional Asian diet? Uh, a lot of fish, a lot of rice. Actually, they have low calcium intake in Japan. They have 600, we have 1,200. Well, so that's kind of a misnomer too, you know, and guys, I know we talk a lot about health and nutrition. For example, on a carton of milk, when you see calcium, you know, high in calcium, it does not mean that you can absorb that calcium. That's, that's one right. of the problems we are lied to by companies that put things on labels. <gasps> Am I the first one to say that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But it's really, really important because yeah. as an expert, what's some of the best ways to get calcium? Um, well, that's a great question. Um, most people would think that milk would be like a great, you know, but also you have a, you're taking in a lot of things wrong with dairy also as well. You're taking the good in with the bad. Right. Um, I, I like, let's see. Right off the top of my head, wow, I haven't gotten asked a fitness question in a while. Well, <laughs> but, 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 you know, between, um, you know, between broccoli you know, and acids, milk, yeah. I, no, but I yeah, think greens, that's, greens, and, and, right. and actually, well, this is, this is why I was leading you down a path. I was like, wow, like, you know. Like, hey, come <laughs> on, I'm on top of no, this. No. Sardines. It's 18%, yeah, 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 sure. 80% of what you, how you look is what you eat. Yeah. And when my kids were little and I said, guys, I want you to drink milk. They're like, oh, mommy, there's something wrong with you. Everyone says milk is good. I said, really? Do you have a runny nose? Are yeah. you guys sick? They're like, no, we never get sick. I, it's, yeah. I know that. Yeah. You, there's good and bad about milk. I don't want to go down that road and have the milk companies go, you're horrible. Yeah, but there's exactly. other places to get calcium, and you guys Certainly. need to hear this. Ready? Come yes. here. One place to get calcium is? Greens. Yes. Yeah. What kind of greens? Dark. Dark greens. Leafy oh, greens. Oh, who knew? You can get calcium from kale? Cruciferous vegetables. Oh, right. He, now he's pulling out. <laughs> yeah. I know stuff. Oh, I'm well, not sitting next to two experts here, up. you know? <laughs> okay, but no, but now listen to this. Here's another place <laughs> you can get calcium that you didn't realize, and it is? Sardines. Yeah. With the bones, all those bones. I, I know. It. Isn't that crazy? So My uh, mom used to have that thing where you take the can and the key opener and you'd open uh, sardines. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They still sell it like that. I know. That's yeah, crazy. But let me share something with you. If you want to get that into your system, you need to eat those foods. However, if you don't love those foods... Well, can I say something even additional? You can't do that. It's not calcium alone, and this is really part of the huge problem. Mm -hmm. Cal calcium requires vitamin D to be absorbed through your intestine. Yes. It requires magnesium and vitamin K2 to actually go into your bones. Right. So without this basic combination, nothing is really going to happen. Here's what breaks my heart. How many people knew that? Did you know that? <laughs> No. no this, and is and why, I, I, yes. this is why I wrote right. the book. And this yes. is what's really important because we as a society have been lying to each other and I don't know what, to what end we're doing that. I yeah. think it's a lying by omission because we don't know. 
Yes. Yeah. Okay. That you're I, you're a lot nicer than I am. Maybe. Well, and and also too, like um, part of our our initiative is that most of food is marketing, so it's falsely marketed right. or it is given the illusion of something when it it when it goes into the body, something happens, like sugar free and fat free. Right. Like <laughs> it picks things <laughs> up in the body <laughs> that makes it have the same effect as if you were going to eat sugar anyways. Right. right. And so these are all like things that you're falsely led to believe. And I don't want to say that we're talking yeah. too fast, but one of the big nuggets that you just heard, this is one of the problems with food, is we started to label things as sugar-free and fat-free, thinking, oh, wow, that must be skinnier and lighter for us. Exactly. In fact, those particular foods that are labeled that actually tend to do more harm to your body. Mm-hmm. So, pff, I'm sorry, I just have a little sniffle here. I got so emotional. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, but I do hate people being lied to. Yes. So if you're listening to this and you actually go to my page that this is associated with, I do want to talk about this in more detail mm-hmm. because that's a very important fact. And then I want to reiterate what you just said. I talk fast. I tell people, listen faster. <laughs> There's great information here. In order to save your bones, which is vital, absolutely vital. In fact, you always hear uh, an older person broke their hip, you know, fell down and broke their hip. No, they broke their hip and then they fell down yes. because they're brittle. Mm-hmm. So you talked about calcium. It needs to be in conjunction with what? If you've got a pen, take it out. I know people don't do pens anymore. <laughs> take out your iPad. I don't care. <laughs> uh, so mi- vitamin, uh, for uh, calcium to be absorbed, you need what else in your body? You need vitamin D. Where do you get that? You get that from the sun. Yes. Understand that. You get that from sitting outside. My mentor, Jacqueline, used to sit outside for 20 minutes. We're all so afraid of the sun. 20 minutes a day is called safe sun. Safe sun. Also, actually, if you have enough vitamin C in your system, it will protect your skin. Yes. Nice. Okay. So, so we're doing the vitamin D by getting a little sunlight. What's the next thing we're doing? We're doing magnesium. Magnesium in a pill form or is a... It's actually absorbed really well through the skin. So if you like baths or spray on oil, this, those things are much actually more effective. Okay. See, and I know that. It's kind of a funny thing. You can, yes, magnesium. Oh, I love oil. that. I put it on you. On magnesium oil. Okay. Uh, and vitamin K2. Where do you get that one? Not at the top um, of the mountain. If you're in Japan, you'll eat it for <laughs> breakfast. If you're in America, it's missing from our diet. Wait, wait, so wait. What are you eating for breakfast? You're eating natto, which is a bacterial product, fermented beans. Oh, sounds <laughs> yum. It's awesome. I, so if we're not doing <laughs> it, no, it's most got little wormy green things in it. Most people are not going to want to do okay, that. So, so we do that? need to supplement with that. And you can just get that in you the store, K2? You can get K2? the bacterial supplement. Okay, so by the way, Mike, yeah. I'm really smart about this. I'd never heard about the K2 thing. No, I didn't either. Oh, it's but I love to learn new stuff every single day. That's why people tune in. All right, we've got two minutes left. Tell my audience something important as a woman that they need to know about their bones and their health. Um, if you're taking care of your bones, you're taking care of your entire body because this is only one system. So if it's right for your bones, it's right for your heart, it's right for your skin, it's right for your brain. There is one way to do it. And how do we find you? Uh, Laura Kelly, drlaurakelly.com. Okay, here's a weird question I've never asked anybody on television. I like to nibble the ends off the chicken bones and little cartilage. Is that oh, good for yeah. Me? Is it good? Delicious. Really? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Because everyone else thinks I'm... Okay. Cartilage. Hey, if you see me, that's one of the things I'm nibbling on. I'm crazy. Yeah. Mike, something yes. you want to share with my audience? Um, well, one thing is I'm very excited to have Forbes. Forbes and I are doing an event on Saturday. Is it okay if I tell people that? Well, actually, they'll be hearing that. But yes, okay. you can, I think, okay. because this part of the show is live. So, Go for it. Yeah, so the thing is, is that... Um, She's doing an awesome segment on how to make money in the media, and it's something that trainers desperately need to know. She is the best at doing it, one of my great friends and mentors, and I've learned a lot from her, and I want to make sure that everybody here, you can go to Mike Matus on Facebook, M-A-T-U-Z, but this is a priceless thing that you are not going to want to miss because I have sat there in that audience, and I was amazed. As I am right now, about <laughs> your knowledge. So Thank it's, you. It's amazing. So, so what yeah. I love about him, because I studied ancient <laughs> culture for a long time, is if you come to any opportunity with your cup empty, you have a chance to fill it up. I don't come Beautiful. knowing everything. I, and that's also, as a martial artist, as a black belt, it starts to fray and you become white again. You guys tune into this because you're learning about your health, wealth, and happiness. Dr. Laura, I want to thank you. Thank thank you Mike, so I'll see much. you on yes. Saturday. I love you thank guys you. both. You so for much. you guys, this is the end of my broadcast. Nice. Yes? Thank no. You. Okay, we'll be back after this. I've got more coming up. So now don't go away. But look up K2, vitamin K2. I'm Forbes Ryan. We'll be right back in a minute. We are having an amazing day here at the California Women's Conference. So many thought leaders, so many topics, but mostly how to live your life better as a woman. And I got to tell you, we have some very specific needs, different than a man. Not that this is a women's club or feminism, but one of the things that make women special is we are moms. Mm. We don't have to be moms. We can become moms. And I will tell you something. My, uh, My husband is adopted. 
His sister and brother, twins are adopted. They adopt another girl and two of their own. I grew up in that kind of a family. I have mm. a foster son that unfortunately got murdered. And I have two beautiful children of my own that I gave birth to, pushed out twins. That's a whole Ooh. other topic at seven pounds. But I have a lot of philosophies on being a mom. Mm. Now, my guest is Jeff Gilbert, and you are one of the title sponsors here. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to let you share what it is that you do. But it's a very interesting message. So tell everybody what you do. So good to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm Jeff Gilbert with Save the Storks. And what we are doing is we have determined that women need the utmost empowerment in how to make a determination concerning their pregnancy. You need education. You need resources. You need to understand that you have a community surrounding you to give you the best options possible for your circumstance. Uh, You know, in the world today, we are looking at a conversation uh, concerning pregnancy and abortion that can be extremely isolating. It can be extremely judgmental. It can be extremely extremist. And what we have determined as our organization is we want to be the third choice on how to help women make the best decision for their life, for their pregnancy. And that is through education. That is through resources. That is through community. And so we have three pillars that we work off of, which is love, compassion, and action. So when you come to us, we are not judgmental. We are not isolating. We are not pushing any agenda. We certainly just want to make sure that you know that we're here for you and that we have many free resources and options available for you as you navigate this journey that you're going through. Okay, so to my listeners, who are you that would be interested in this? If you are, so how old do most people are when they come to you? Is there an age range? You know, the age range could be anywhere between 18 to 35. And you Um, find out that you're pregnant. mm -hmm. And you are perhaps alone or maybe with a partner. Perhaps. But you don't know what to do. Correct. Because you think I should keep it and not keep it. Correct. Now, in that position, most people would go to their parents, might go to their church. How do they think to come to you? Where do we find you? Well, you would think that most people would have a healthy community that they can come to. But when you're looking at something as intense as an unplanned pregnancy, you can tend to isolate yourself and to make that a secret or, or even something of a shamefulness that you don't want to reveal to especially perhaps your pastor or your mentor or your parent. And so, you know, even in the state of California, you can still get an abortion at the age of 14 or 15 years old without your parents' consent. So that's something that you can actually sneak around with where you don't want accountability. But imagine this. So I'm just trying to put myself in this position. So I'm a young girl. It's an unplanned pregnancy. I'm like, "Hmm, what to do? Can't talk to my mom. Can't talk to my pastor. How do I know where to look for you guys? Well, we actually come to you. What we've decided to do is we've created a model of, of medical resource called a mobile medical unit. We affectionately call it a stork bus. And so this is a (laughs) Mercedes-Benz Sprinter that's outfitted with ultrasound technology. Uh, We can do pregnancy testing, STI testing, and live ultrasounds on board anywhere you are. You see, there's 3,000 abortions that happen every single day in our country. One in three women will get an abortion in her lifetime. Two in three black women will get an abortion in her lifetime. 75% of abortions are below the poverty line in America. So we want to be able to reach those who feel like they don't have resources to fulfill their pregnancy. So let me ask a question. So if you, so you financially, do, if a woman says, you know what, I'm going to keep the baby. Yeah. What do you provide them? Oh, my goodness. The, the list can go on and on. We provide them uh, prenatal services and health care if they need it. We provide uh, parenting classes. Uh, we provide uh, any kind of post-birth resources such as high chairs, strollers, cribs, diapers, formula, clothing for up to two years after the baby's born. Jeff, how did you come to do this? Uh, you know, I have had a very rich life of being able to, to live out my dreams specifically my childhood dreams was always to be a professional drummer and my band got a record deal when I was 18 years old and I got to go on the road and tour the world and you know your band's name uh, it's a band called Cutlass if you spell with a k you might find it on google but it's a it's a band that was in um just a a a, a niche market I guess uh, in a Christian music realm um, okay. so if you've heard of Amy Grant or Michael W. Smith or yeah. any of those phenomenal artists that's kind of more the realm that we um you know worked in and uh, yeah again I, I got to see so many amazing things I actually played this venue right here to a sold out crowd it was a really cool thing so I did that and then 10 years ago I met my wife uh, while I was on the road we met through mutual friends and then we got married a year later and then I had kids and that's when I really wanted to just change what I was doing. I want to get off the road. I got into phil- philanthropy work and I landed here and I love it. I want to be able to help moms and dads uh, with anything they might need. Why? Why? Because we need each other. We're better together. We really are. 
and I know what it feels like to not have support and I know what it feels like to um, to even hide things when I know I need help. Mm. And when you have the ability to help somebody, when you have the ability to sit down and help somebody slow their thoughts down. Well, so why do you focus specifically on women in unplanned pregnancies? There's a lot of different venues you could go into. Why is this so important to you? Because I believe that parenthood is a beautiful thing when you're around great people. And I believe that it's a very, very difficult subject that a lot of people don't want to deal with. But when you're looking at 3,000 abortions occurring every day, um, I, I don't like that. I don't think that necessarily needs to be the case because 84% of women who have had an abortion felt like they didn't have any other options. That's a very large margin for such a high amount of abortions that occur every single day. So when you're thinking 84%, that is a massive amount of people who just didn't have help. So let me ask a question because I've got a little boy in my life who was murdered by another little boy. Hmm. Um, and my question is, what do you do with kids who are unwanted? Man, there are so many avenues of such a difficult process to get through. Um, but what really comes down to is we as adults who have healthy families, who mm -hmm. have uh, healthy mindsets, we need to know where those circumstances are and we need to be available to at least discover how we can help. You just, uh, the reason I'm asking that is because the help up to the, the, the baby's two, my concern, and, and there, I don't know if there is an organization that really mm. helps young kids and moms who don't know how to parent. Yeah. I, I mean, I actually have written a book about it. I'm very passionate about the way kids parent. I used to watch mm -hmm. the TV series of Nanny, and I thought, there's no way I'm letting little crumb grabbers kind of ruin my life. Oh, sure. And I trained my two kids. Now, without being really specific, I ended up in Chicken Soup for the Soul for this mm -hmm. because there's things that you can create and do with children. My son's 14 years old. He still writes texts and says, I love you, and he kisses me in front of his friends. Yes. I did something right. Right on. I don't think most kids benefit from that, and mm. I'm nervous that moms or women or men don't have enough education about parenting. Absolutely. What do we do about that? Well, that's a big part of what Save the Storks is doing is we are creating resources for people to have parenting classes to be able to get into healthy communities where there are healthy established families just like you've created for your family. Mm -hmm. We need to mentor other families to be able to do that because when you're talking about generational poverty or generational circumstances that, mm -hmm. well, my father was abusive so I'm abusive or his father's father was abusive and it just goes down that line. I myself can be a mentor for that next man that can then change the trajectory of his life and his child's life. How do and people reach out to you? Oh, my goodness. You can reach out to us through SaveTheStorks.com, number one. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram is all Save the Storks. Me personally, my name is Jeff Gilbert. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, Jeff underscore underscore Gilbert. If you want to shoot me an email, if you can, I, I, don't, I would love to That's hear really from you. That's really very generous. Are you still drumming? Uh, in my garage with my son. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, he's a much better drummer than, than me. So. Oh, that's very funny. Yeah, but Jeff at SaveTheStorks.com if you want to say hey. Um, but yeah, I mean, we are certainly here to know, listen, this is messy work. This is hard stuff. And there's a lot of tough and good questions out there that we love navigating because we certainly know that when solid people can come together and, and help and be able to give their expertise, give their mentorship, give whatever it is they can give. Um, man, we are going to see this world a better place. Well, I am sorry that this interview has to come to an end. We're a little bit out of time, but you are a rock star. You come from oh. the heart. I think my audience felt that. Uh, we're going to be back with more right after this, but I want to thank you, Mr. Jeff Gilbert. You truly are, in every sense of the word, a rock star. Oh, thank you. Hey, everybody. I'm Forbes Riley. I'm here at the California Women's Conference, and i got to tell you, I'm watching something that I've, everyone asks me, but no one else can really do. I'm watching Alvin Law actually spin him with his toes. I can do this. Now, uh, yeah, actually, we well, have to wind it up now, which Stop. is kind of interesting. Uh, now, why would he be using his toes? I tell people it's a little bit of a sexual thing. He doesn't have <laughs> arms to do this with. Where'd your arms go? I was uh, born without arms um, due to that infamous morning sickness medication, thalidomide, yep. from the 1960s. I'm Canadian, so it, it made it there, but not to America in great numbers, thank God. So, by the way, I just want to introduce my guest. Alvin Law is a professional speaker. He is a rock star. He is very inspirational. <laughs> no, you are. You really are. And let me share something with you. I have had the honor and the privilege in my life to work with a wide variety of people. And my daughter always says, Mom, why is it that most people who get on stage have these horrible stories that they've overcome? And I'm like, because we've overcome horrible stories. And if you are the sum of the obstacles you overcome, the bigger the obstacle, the greater the victory. Now, I just had a chance to meet for the first time Emmanuel Kelly, who was thrown away as a little boy who was not looking normal or like the rest of everybody. Um, you were born. What did your mom and dad think when you were born? 
Well, uh, it depends which parents you're talking about. Okay. Well, tell me. I what got one of those stories too, All like right. Emmanuel's. Only mine was a little, uh, a little different in the sense that mine wasn't connected to the tragedy of a place like Iraq and orphanages and kids just being discarded. Uh, mine was was rural Canada with a farm family who gave birth to me who just could not cope with the truth. But it was also a prognosis by the doctors at the time, and this isn't a melodrama. They just couldn't see a future, and they wanted to be honest with my family. And my family were overwhelmed to the point where they asked what they could do, and one of the options was to sign papers and make me uh, a ward of what they called the Government of Saskatchewan, which is a province in Canada. And by, the five, by five days of age, I was, I was by myself. But where that's a sad story, the good story comes next because I was taken into a foster home who were supposed to look after me for six weeks, then six months, and then forever home. So Jack and Hilda Law, especially Hilda Law, uh, is my story, really. And, and, you know, it's funny because we're at a women's conference and Mother's Day is coming up and it's pretty cheesy, but the simple fact is there's no cheese involved. My mom changed my life. You make me cry. You guys can't see my tears at the moment, but it is Mother's Day, and I'm actually not going to spend it with my two kids. I'm just thinking, gosh, it is fascinating what people do. So Hilda Law looked at you and saw what? You know, frankly, this is going to sound a little insensitive. She yeah. saw a job. <laughs> she was a foster mom. This was a job. She was right. going to work at trying to make me as independent as she could. But let's, let's keep in mind, this is really important. This was 1960, so uh. she couldn't really Google you know, no arms or Siri, what do we do? She had no idea what to do, but right. she had this resiliency. That seems to be a real code word lately. Right. Uh, she had resiliency before it was a code word. It was just her way of living. She'd been through, because of her age, do the math. My mom was, well, you didn't know this. My mom was 55 years old when she took me home. Oh, wow. And my dad was 53 and they'd lived through the depression. And dad was a World War II veteran of the Canadian military. And they just were resilient people. Uh, they raised my brothers, John and Terry, who are still alive. My brother John's 85. My brother Terry's 81. Wow. But they were just these, this force of nature, especially Hilda. So when she saw me one day, and it is unfortunate that the audience can't see, my toes just started to, to, to function like fingers. I started to play with things in my crib and play with teddy bears. And instead of mom going, that's odd, mom kind of went, hmm. First of all, you don't see that every day. But second of all, maybe he's showing us something because it was so mm. instinctive. So mom really just had to change her mindset to raising me like my brothers, only my feet became my hands and everything else took care of itself. Because if you think about it, the feet may be very novelty oriented to people seeing it for the first time. But the functionality has nothing to do with the physicality because lots of people use their feet. It's, it, you look around the world, go on the internet. That's true. There's lots of people use their feet. It's the mindset and the spirit that took over Everything else. Well, because I'm who I am, I get to ask questions. Having no arms, how did, did, you, how did you feel growing up? Did you awesome. F- did you? I grew up in, in rural Saskatchewan, Canada, a little right. town called Yorkton. I was so accepted because that was the nature of our community. You, 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 it was like, oh, that, that's, that's the law boy. Oh, that's a Alvin. You know? and, and in fact, mom would, would, would get angry with people who would try to do things for me. Because right. that was their instinct. Well, let me help the little boy. And mom would, you know, come up and scream at him and say, don't you touch him. Because really it was about not only getting independence in my life. Right. But it was about not expecting to be treated special. Huh. How do you eat? With my feet. Do you really? Oh, yeah. Everything. So I, yeah. And forgive me. Yeah. I have not. No, no, I'm don't, so excited don't, by no, you. No forgiveness uh, required. Well, no, I haven't required. seen it. I want to see this. Yeah, chopsticks I haven't figured out yet. But, you know, neither have I. And yeah. I've got all five yeah. fingers and I have no idea what to do with them. So... <laughs> Actually, one of the funnier stories that I tell in my speaking is something that really happened to me when I was a teenager. I was becoming a typical adolescent and uncomfortable in my body. And I was having a a hamburger one day with my dad and I eat with one foot. So I put the hamburger between my first and second toe and to get that. You can get your feet all the way up to your mouth. Oh, yeah. Just like this. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. 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 So I had the hamburger and I was chewing away and it was. Sorry, if, if you're using visualization in your mind right now, it was a pretty juicy hamburger. <laughs> so, there, so there was a lot of stuff happening with my feet, and I started licking my toes off. I love it. And ah. that kind of made somebody in the audience sort of almost lose their lunch. But it was funny because that reaction bothered me, and yet my dad didn't do anything about it. And when we talked about it later, mm. my dad said, I can't follow you around for the rest of your life fixing people who don't like you. Maybe you need to work on it yourself. So I discovered a real secret. This is going to sound real perfect-minded. You can't change people's opinion of you, but you can certainly work on the one of your own. So I just changed my mind. If people want to stare, fine. Now I wave at people, and that gets a whole different reaction. 
I love it. I get the sense that you just embrace this. It's, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Well, yeah. I love being around you. Thanks. Well, to be quite honest, uh, that, that's why people get it wrong when they see me. They think there's less here. There's actually way more here. Because I think what happens is, you, you, you know, again, this is just my, my mantra. Every morning, thank you. Right? Thank you. I'm married. You should see my wife. She's hot, by the way. <laughs> Why um, wouldn't she be? I've got a 31-year-old son. I've got a successful career. I travel the world. Uh, you know, I, I, things that have happened in my life, however, I don't think they're meant to sound like a, a bragging point or a trophy case. Look what I did. Look what I did. Look what I did. They're simply me just living. But you also, what you are is an example because I have the same things. I have a lot of things in my life that were incredibly tragic. If life happens to you, that's really bad. If it happens for you, that becomes a metaphor and a platform to speak about. Yeah. That's why you do that. Have you always yeah. been a professional speaker? No, no, no. I was a broadcaster. I was a fundraiser. I was an advertising executive. I ran for political office. I tried every possible way that I could make an imprint on the society that I live with. Why is that so important? Uh, you know what? It, it started out being ego. That's, that's real simple. It was all about me, ego, ego, ego. But then I started meeting people who, who taught me that it's about the bigger picture. It's about the, the big world that we live in. And by the way, we do live in a pretty small world. Uh, you know, it's a lot smaller than we think. And I think we're all linked together. And I think the more that we can embrace that, you know, I know it sounds corny too, but it really is what I believe. It's what you know, I believe. I, you know, it's funny. You said corny and maybe it's because you're so adorable and from Canada and you're polite. Yeah. But how about just true and honest and simple? I, I don't mind. It's not corny. It's just... These are things that actually matter that we're actually not talking about. Bad things happen to good people all the time. And if it's self-imposed, you have to reevaluate the behavior that led it to happening to you. Right. When a tragedy happens to you by circumstance, I mean, this is stupid. I got my car broken into in Vancouver, Canada a couple of weeks ago, a rental car. I was parked in a parkade. I didn't think anybody would come in there. Right. I was angry for about 10 seconds because it occurred to me, I can't change what happened 10 minutes ago, half an hour ago. My window's broken. I'll get it fixed. They stole something out of the car that's replaceable. No big deal. The trick becomes when it's something closer. You know, you lose a loved one to tragedy. Mm -hmm. Going up to someone and saying after they've lost a loved one to tragedy, oh, just get over it. That's insulting. But the fact of the matter is bad things happen to good people all the time. We only get one life. So we have to put that in perspective. But more than anything, we have to recognize we're not the only ones. Other See, while this is all very heady and very interesting, I'm yeah. sitting here going, yeah. in my mind, how do you drive a car? I steer with my right <laughs> foot on the wheel and my left foot on the gas. Oh! So are there days that you wake up and it's not so much fun to be you? Uh, it's a pretty rare. Pretty rare. Okay. It's, it's a mindset that I've... It's like a habit. Okay. You know? So that's the big thing I want to touch on. Somebody's sitting yeah. out there and they've got yeah. everything going for them and they don't realize it. What... But they wake up and they're depressed. What do you tell people like that? Well, there's a difference between waking up depressed because you have genuine mental illness or mental health issues. Because some people, that's the real deal. No, we're just talking the average person who goes, oh, it's all really hard out Uh, here. You know what? Take, take, Take a break. Uh, get off your device, turn off the television, don't look at the newspaper, go for a walk, and give yourself in your mind five items in your life that you are fortunate to have and start making a list. The trouble is we get so busy that we don't have the time to appreciate what we do have. I mean, again, this, this sounds like I'm, I'm doing a commercial, but the fact of the I'm matter the is... I'm the infomercial queen. Yeah, it's but, okay. Yeah, yeah, but, but here, listen to this one. You're going to love this one. When you don't have any arms, yeah. you fundamentally appreciate what you got. So if you can just figure that one out, you know, and just, just look into your life and say, I've got more than I don't. I love that. I've got more than I don't. And I can tell you this by looking at your spirit. How do people find you? Alvinlaw.com. Alvin Law. It is the law. Happiness, corniness, yeah. fun and feet. Yeah, yeah. By Forbes. By Forbes. Ah, I love it. All right, tickle, you. Tickle, tickle. This was awesome. Alvin Law, you got to check him out. You got to hear him speak. I can't wait to Thanks, go hear Forbes. you speak. I've heard the most glowing things about you. I've seen you forever. I feel very honored, as you should, for being part of this broadcast at all. I am Forbes Riley. It is my great pleasure here from the California Women's Conference in Long Beach, 2017. I love you guys and stay in touch. Watch out for me on the Forbes Factor coming your way on Wednesdays. Bye-bye, guys. Bye-bye.